Hello, and welcome to this episode uh, of the Levin Podcast. As always, I am Kristen Blazik, and I work in the college. I'm the coordinator of student recruitment. And with me also, as always, is Molly. Hello, Molly. Hello. Are you I'm getting Molly ready? Schnoke. Yeah, I'm, I am. I'm, uh, I joined Kristen here on the podcast. I'm with the Center for Economic Development, or Center for Economic Development and Community Planning and Development. Are you ready for the end of the year? So we're taping this. This is the end of the year of 2021. Are you ready for it to be over? I think we've had a fun year of podcasts. I think so uh, too. I'm ready for 2022 and the slate of podcasts that we have um, scheduled for, for next year. So that's exciting. Yeah, me too. I'm ready for, this is, we're only like mid-season right now. So I'm really excited for what we've got upcoming. But with us today, which I'm really excited about, is we have two lovely uh, people with us. We have Ira with us and Anna. So Ira, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. My name is Irina Demko. I am research associate at the Center for Economic Development at Cleveland State University. And then with us is also Anna. Hi, I'm Anna Claudia Santana. I am assistant professor at West Virginia University for agribusiness and agribusiness. So you're with us from uh, other than Ohio. So we taped this in Ohio. So we've reached international and now we're reaching across states. <laughs> we're broadening our, our inclusivity. That's, that's yeah. right. So could one of you explain to us exactly what we're going to be talking about today? Just the overarching idea of this program, because it sounds really interesting. So today we are going to be talking about the Paycheck Protection Program. This uh, program has been one of the largest economic stimulus programs in the U.S. history. And the program was introduced by the Small Business Administration when COVID started. The program included two rounds. Uh, one was in 2020, and that round um, covered 18 weeks. And in 2021, they came back to the program, and the program was lasted 20 weeks in 2021. And what exactly is it? Because it's it's the Paycheck Protection Program. What exactly are people getting when they do this the stimulus? Yeah, so small business businesses could apply for it, um, and they can apply for an amount. Uh, most of it is to pay is for the paycheck, so to pay their employees. Um, but they can also uh, apply request it for uh, rent, um, other benefits that they pay their employees, um, mortgage interest, utilities, those are the kind of things they can also request for. But the main, um, main the bulk of what they're requesting should go towards their employees, towards the paychecks. This program was a rapid response to the onset of the pandemic and its impact on small businesses across the country. What did your research look at? So we looked at how um, characteristics of the business owners, so the impact of race, gender, uh, and ethnicity on the amount um, that they 
were approved for. So we um, looked at that with two focuses. One was a quantitative side of things uh, where we um, controlled for things such as uh, the lenders that they used, um, the size of the business, uh, of course, the demographics, so race, gender, uh, ethnicity. Um, we also controlled for where the business was located. So if it was a rural or urban um, county, uh, among other things. And so we're looking at whether the characteristic of the business owner um, was related to an, an amount that they received. So if it was basically equally distributed between uh, the business owners. And then, did you look at that nationally or was there a smaller geographic focus that your study examined? So we, the quantitative side um, where we did a, an estimation, so we ran an econometric model that uh, accounted for the full sample. So the whole, um, everyone that was approved in the program, um, but then and I'll let Ivina talk a little bit more about that. We also interviewed um, small, 19 small business owners uh, in Northeast Ohio. Yes, so we focused our research, um, the qualitative part on Northeast Ohio. And the, the reason why, because we really wanted to, first of all, the Center of Economic Development is located in Northeast Ohio. Northeast Ohio includes 18 counties in Ohio, and uh, this area has uh, shown lagging characteristics of economic well-being compared to the state of Ohio and the nation. When you look at the poverty rate and the unemployment rates, they are higher in uh, Northeast Ohio compared to other areas in, in the U.S. However, we are looking at specifically at the COVID pandemic, and uh, um, we shown that 40% of previously employed residents of Northeast Ohio, they filed for unemployment during uh, 2020 when pandemic hit. So it was really important for us for this specific reason to look at Northeast Ohio because of this 40% unemployed, uh, in previously employed. And uh, small businesses, they employ a lot of people. So um, this unemployed, they could have uh, be employed but, uh, by uh, a small business. So it's really important for us to look at small business and how the uh, US government helps small businesses during the pandemic. And as Molly mentioned at, at the very beginning, we are looking at the inclusivity of, uh, um, of uh, 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 federal assistance if it, equal, if it was equally distributed between minority-owned businesses and white-owned businesses, Hispanic-owned businesses and not Hispanic-owned businesses, female-owned businesses and uh, male-owned businesses. So we know that the pandemic itself has uh, disproportionately affected uh, minorities and people of color in this country, uh, disease-wise. What did you find in terms of employment and support for small businesses along those lines? Yeah, so we found um, that in terms of the, the programs, so in terms of the PPP program, we did find that minority-owned businesses 
um, in general received uh, less from the program than white owned businesses. Um, so for example, if we're thinking about a five to 19 employee business, uh, we found out that they received about 19% on average, less than white owned businesses. Uh, we do want to uh, pass on the information that uh, this is not causal. So this doesn't mean that just because they were that type of business, they were doomed to receive less. So when it, it just, um, what we find uh, in terms of correlation. But we also found that uh, female-owned businesses received about 22% less uh, if we're looking at businesses from 20 to 499 employees. So they received about 22% less than male-owned. And um, we find about 5%, um, when we're thinking about Hispanic-owned businesses, they received about 5% less on average than their white-owned counterpart. In terms of the structural interviews, we found that, uh, um, so first of all, in uh, for the interviews, we uh, interviewed uh, different types of businesses. We interviewed uh, businesses that received large loans, um, like on 2 million, and businesses that received small loans, uh, 20,000. We, uh, we also talked with female-owned businesses and male-owned businesses. We had representatives of minorities-owned businesses and white-owned businesses. So we have very diverse pool, and they also represented very different industries. And what we found that, um, there was a very big difference in the experience of businesses that received large loans, more than 150,000, and businesses that received small loans. For businesses that received small loans, they had a um, difficulty with finding a lender, with finding a bank or other financial institutions that would want to work with them on the PPP application. They had to submit multiple applications to different banks, and they were more likely to go to a regional bank, and they were more likely to use a financial uh, fintech or um, non-traditional lenders like online banks. They some of them went through PayPal, some of them went through Ready Capital or Lendio. Also, uh, some uh, respondents said that uh, so the PPP loan could include not only wage, but all, not only payroll, but also uh, rent, uh, mortgage interest and uh, um, utilities. But many smaller, many respondents, not, uh, doesn't matter size, they didn't realize that they could include this, um, uh, these uh, uh, items. They thought that it's only for wages, but it's not true. So the, there was some misinformation. Although like we live in digital area, everyone has access to internet, but still they were not uh, informed correctly on the PPP program. Also, uh, large um, PPP loan recipients, they mentioned that they got approved their application faster. It took for some of them just took a few days or um, up to three weeks, but smaller uh, recipients said that it took from 10 days to six weeks. And one more interesting fact about the PPP application 
um, SBA estimated the time for, for completing application was eight minutes. And uh, large businesses, obviously, they had to um, collect a lot more information about the number of employees they have about the payroll. So for them, it took uh, up to 20, 30 hours to submit the application. Well, for some small businesses, they said that indeed, it only took them about 10 minutes to submit. What do you think issues with lenders has been um, in discussion around number of um, community related and community development issues that includes, you know, small loans for mortgages in housing. There's a lot of discussion around lenders making small loans. And it seems to be that is the case here even though this was a government supported program that there were many lenders who were not willing to make smaller loans and targeted larger businesses, larger loan sizes. Is that the case or, you know, could, is it that it costs the bank the same amount of money to service a $20,000 loan for a small business as it does a $2 million loan? Yeah, so I think behind um, the, the, from the bank's perspective, uh, one of the things we, we did find was that if you had already a relation with the bank, um, sometimes they would even reach out to you to say this is an opportunity. Um, and then also they did receive, um, they did have benefits from participating in the program. So they did either through fees um, that they received. So. Um, I, I do believe there might be, uh, you know, their own interests going on in the background in terms of the size of the loan uh, that they would be working with. Uh, however, we, we don't know specifically that would be something to investigate in the future. Um, but they did receive, um, there are studies now looking at the fees side of commercial banks that they received, um, and especially one interesting thing is that um, the Paycheck Protection Program, um, in terms of ag, agricultural banks, commercial, well, commercial banks that lend to agriculture, um, they actually uh, didn't do as badly because they participated in the program. So you can kind of see the ones that didn't, didn't, and see that um, they, they didn't do as, as badly. This is what uh, research I've been looking at reading has, has found. And I would like, like to add here about, um, fee, about credit constraints usually faced by female-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses. In the case of female-owned businesses, they are more likely to, because they are more likely to be concentrated in um, less capital intensive industries, they are less likely to have a credit to have mm -hmm. established bank relationships. So they are in the category of underbanked. That's why they had difficulties. And for the case of minorities, it's also a very similar situation. Research has found um, that minority owned businesses, they have higher loan denial rate and it's even higher than in mortgage. Uh, mm. And uh, uh, they also have, when they receive the loan, they usually have the lower amount. And uh, earlier research on PPP loans found that um, uh, 
businesses located in majority white neighborhoods, they received PPP loans faster than businesses located in majority black or majority Latino or Hispanic communities. So it's also about the speed of approval. So that's, I mean, that's incredibly interesting and yet incredibly distressing uh, information and that it, and that it's so closely mirrors the experience that minority populations have with, with mortgage lending and with their relationship in, in the banking world as it is. And, and so I, I wonder if you guys came away with some you know, kind of policy recommendations, not just for uh, SBA future programs, um, but you know this idea that um, banking relationships not only impact the access to loan size and speed with which a small business can find and access support, right, going forward. So th this idea of building banking relationships in vulnerable and minority communities. Yeah, so I mean, specific to what we looked at, um, we believe that if, if the intent uh, of the program is to target um, minorities, um, that it can't be um, kind of a one size fit, fits all. So it has to be targeted. And um, so when it's like transparency and when it's advertised, you wanna make sure that the, the group that you're focusing on actually knows what's, what's going on. Um, and that's something that we do see uh, a change from 2020 when the program was first launched to 2021, that there were some changes there on how uh, the program was targeted and um, people knew, started to know more about it, became more transparent about how you can apply. They allowed for uh, non-banks to also uh, make these these loans for applications to be made through non-banks. So that meant that areas that were um, underbanked, so with less banks could also try to apply through these other uh, types of lenders. And so we do see a slight change there um, in terms of this distribution of who received uh, the loans or not. So that's um, one of the policy suggestions that we have. Um, Irina, do you want to compliment? Yeah, I would like to add about the need of, for technical assistance, especially for smaller business. And it, I, I want to emphasize it's a free technical assistance because um, what we are seeing from the interviews that um, small businesses didn't know where to find help. They would, some uh, one business owner said that he would ask help from a banker. The banker said, go to your accountant. The accountant said, go to your banker. So it just, uh, and, and you don't know where to go. And I know that, uh, for example, Cleveland State has uh, the Small Business Development Center where they provided free technical assistance for small businesses with the application process. And now SBA's, the PPP program has closed. Uh, however, many businesses are applying for forgiveness now. And some for some businesses, forgiveness goes smoothly, for some, no. So um, maybe now uh, help with forgiveness uh, would be important. What we heard from the interviews that uh, 
the need for a centralized application portal. Of course, not, now it's not as important, but uh, SBA uh, introduced um, a single portal for forgiveness. So there is one place where you apply for forgiveness. That, that uh, I think really helps with, uh, with uh, PPP. I also want to add that although like didn't everything, everything didn't go very smoothly, but um, I think SBA, um, the program helped to small businesses to establish some kind of relationship with SBA. Mm -hmm. And I think this is very important because in um, I checked before our interview that uh, in the US we have about 30, about 30 million small businesses. And of this 30 million, almost 5 million applied for the PPP loan, almost 5 million businesses. So 15% of all businesses in the US, they had some experience with PPP program. And now they have, they know how to work with SBA. And PPP, it's not the only one program offered by SBA to small businesses. There is also either loan. There are some special targeted programs for restaurants, for, uh, for, for different types of businesses. I think this is how um, this was an important component of, of PPP. So I have kind of two questions swirling around. In, in oh, I was going to say, I, I just, I want to reiterate what you were saying, Molly, really quickly um, to go back to like the whole mortgage situation with minority uh, business owners and just in general, what we've been seeing with banks and minorities. So you're talking about, they don't know, like there was like this gap in knowledge to even apply for this PPP loan, but looking at the data, were you finding in almost in what we're mirroring with the mortgage lending where more minority, the, the minority and female owned business, the women owned businesses, were they, when they did apply, did they get accepted at the same rates? What kind of, you know, rates did they get for the PP loan? And are we seeing that kind of same thing going on with uh, mortgages where, you know, the amount of people that apply, only a fraction of them will, will get a loan. Whereas more often you'll see white male owners getting more loans. I'll take a stab at this first. Um, so in this case, right, the interesting thing about this program is that it doesn't um, I wouldn't necessarily say that the program discriminates. Um, we came to the conclusion that why we see this disparity is more in terms of like how it was advertised, like Avina said, access to, to help on how to fill it out, um, that people know about it. Um, maybe there's background um, issues going on that the person maybe was rejected at a bank previously, and so they don't feel comfortable applying through the program. So we believe it's something more, um, it has to do more with whether or not they applied and not as much about them being rejected once they applied. Now, it's important to note that we do not know who applied, right? We know who uh, was approved. So we have who was approved, and from those approved, you do notice there is a difference in what they received. Um, it's also important to note that um, the information while informing uh, whether your gender and uh, whether 
your race and ethnicity was voluntary. And so there is a number of people that just did not inform that at all. And so that information is then also, um, we control for it, but we do not know whether that person, um, that business owner falls into one category or the other. So it, to me, there's, there's also this issue you were talking about, it's not the intent of the program, but you know, maybe a consequence of a constellation of other um, longstanding challenges in minority communities around things like access to banking, right? And this is this is this idea of opportunity. And so access is access to information. It's access to people. It's access to the institutions or organizations that can assist them, right? It's, it's all these access points along the way. And there are likely uh, businesses for which the, the owner or um, person who was applying as, uh, for on behalf of the business knew where to go, knew who to turn to, knew what to ask, had those relationships, that networking, right? That access. Access isn't just this program exists, apply to it. And it's also sticks in, in my head because I, I hear you know, a lot about our minority communities here in Cleveland where it's also this issue of you know, the, their own resources to engage in these programs. And if you're a small business owner or a female business owner or a minority business owner and you have three employees or five employees and you don't know how to navigate the bank or haven't had that experience before, that's going to take you a lot longer and take a lot of your time and effort as a, as a resource to your business to go through the application process and to engage with the SBA that maybe they don't have time to do right? They don't have the capacity within their business to go through all of this. And, and so that's a burden, um, kind of an unforeseen consequence of the program. And it, it strikes me that um, SBA, when you're, you're talking about all the other programs they have, they really want to reach out to minority businesses. Part of it is going to, to be providing some of this access to the other services and other opportunities, right? All of the windows and avenues of access into these programs to really get people into them and, and make that successful. So it's not just, hey, we have it, and then, you know, step back and, and wait and see what happens. Uh, so, you know, a question related, related to that and a follow-up with businesses about, you know, is that something you asked them, did you not go for this or were hesitant about just because of the time that it takes, because you don't have as a small business owner, you know, maybe you're up at midnight on your computer applying, you don't have the, the time during the day. Right. And then also I wanted to ask a question about your follow-up to this. So you talked about the forgiveness portion of this program. And I think that that's really what could be the most helpful part of this program for minority and female owned businesses, which is that it, it doesn't, um, become a loan that they have to pay back, it becomes essentially a grant, right? It's, it's forgivable for them. That could really help them out in, in this particular time. Are you going to go back and look at which businesses that went through the program uh, were approved of for forgiveness, uh, which weren't, and maybe doing a sample interview again of the experience of businesses in the forgiveness process? 
uh, we actually heard the value. One interview was, our interviews was about 50, 20 minutes, but one interview lasted 50 minutes and it was about the very bad negative experience with the forgiveness process. So I count that, I count that as we already talked about it. <laughs> it can be very challenging because of the- I think most people have like a, like most people will just continue to talk if they have a bad experience though. So I think that's perfectly normal is that when you have a bad experience, you're going to tell everybody and you're going to do it in length. So I get it. The 50 minutes, I could get it. I could, I could probably talk for 15 minutes about an experience with a banker as well. <laughs> oh, what also what, what I found interesting that uh, some businesses, they didn't, it was their choice. They thought they didn't need to apply, to apply mm -hmm. for PPP and it was their choice. They just, no, we think this is not fair for us to apply. We don't need it. It's like, mm -hmm their possession and I, I found quite a few of them. That's interesting that they didn't think that um, they either needed it or they didn't want to you know take advantage of a, a program that they were eligible for but mm -hmm. um, right that but that again to me speaks to um, this idea of you know understanding and access right because there are some um, you know businesses and potentially, I'm, I, I don't know data, I have nothing to back this up with other than, you know, anecdotal, um, you know, sort of stories, but, you know, white male-owned businesses who, who will take advantage of and access any program that they're eligible for or any support that, you know, you're eligible for and, and why not? And there's a, there's maybe a different mentality in other communities of, um, I think a success in doing it on your own of not going for some of those programs, right? I think there's, there's, there are potentially cultural aspects as well as aspects of engaging with other federal programs and assistance that have come through minority communities that maybe don't have a history of going so well that, um, you know, are an impediment to you know, many people who would be eligible to, to, act, to actually engage with those programs or, or access those resources because they've had bad experiences in the past. Also, when we speak about um, economic, about inclusion, um, it's not only one, one of the dimensions of economic inclusion that SBA defined and we looked in our research is um, uh, rural versus urban areas. Mm -hmm. And we we did find that rural areas they received smaller PPP loans compared to urban areas, and part of it could be just that the cost of living in urban areas is uh, higher, and salary. We we looked at the PPP per employee, and when when you look at PPP per employee, it's basically the wages, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, so the wage in urban areas is higher, so that's why urban areas received higher PPP per employee. But part of it is also, um, I think, access to information, how much you could, you could have applied for. And uh, one of the uh, research that we looked at is also access of agricultural businesses to this program. And it's very interesting that um, SBA um, used to be prohibited to um, provide financial assistance to provide disaster assistance to agricultural businesses for 30 years. But when pandemic happened, uh, they canceled the requirement. And at some point, only agricultural businesses could apply for some of the programs uh, from mm -hmm. SBA. Um, 
And we look specifically at uh, uh, production agriculture. Production agriculture received about uh, almost $17 billion in PPP loans. And um, um, the interesting thing that uh, the average loan amount was smaller to agriculture compared to other industries. So I kind of want to jump back to what Malu was saying of maybe, so I know you guys are looking at like the acceptance and, uh, for applications, but with this lack of communication is how they communicate, but also more on a, you know, a, a gendered and cultural basis of how the information is being put out. So not just, hey, it's here, if you can find it, you have access and stuff like that, but specifically how it's put out to where it's maybe not apparent that it's you know or or it looks like 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 what, what molly was saying is when you've had a bad experience with you know not getting loans and have you know always being turned down or the loans that you get being outrageous and not helpful uh what the hesitance would be in applying for pp loan so looking at a study maybe looking at um how uh, the people who didn't apply and why they didn't apply and and um, going from there to maybe correct some of this this knowledge gap. I guess that goes to what are your plans for future research? Yeah, <laughs> what are we what are we looking at? Because I, I honestly think that that would be really interesting is is who didn't apply and why didn't they apply? You know, and it's not just that they don't they didn't know, but why didn't they know? Yeah, that would be definitely very interesting. Um, it would require uh, probably another year or two, probably two, in order to find these and, and find a representative uh, sample. Uh, right now, our plans, uh, we want to look at the role of the, these non-banks. Uh, in the program, um, there's much interest in understanding the role of non-traditional lenders. Uh, and then we also um, plan on, on looking a little bit more inside the agriculture, uh, the ag production ag industry and trying to understand there how um, the PPP was distributed. Um, it, it, the data set is very rich and there's a lot of questions that can be answered. And I think um, definitely this suggestion about looking closer at the forgiveness is also an interesting thing that we can uh, look at as we move on. And maybe we can apply a, a survey that would look at why certain people did not apply uh, specifically. Um, I don't know if Irina has some comments on why some people mentioned they did not apply. Um, I think with this, I, I just want to acknowledge the work of... Uh, um, I want to um, say that uh, this work was supported by uh, the U.S. Economic Development Administration University Center Award. And it was also supported by the Levine College uh, uh, Levine Women Fund. And uh, without their uh, help, uh, without their grants, uh, we couldn't uh, do it. So thank you, our funders. Well, that, that that's a beautiful conclusion to 
we're right on time. So I want to thank you guys. Anna, do you have any last words about this, this project? No, I think Molly put it very nicely in terms of the background uh, issues that we were thinking that were going on into why we're seeing these changes of the differences, right, in the amounts received by business owners of minority business owners or female business owners. Well, I thank you both for joining us today. Um, it's a really interesting program to look into. And, it, you know, every community across the United States has small businesses so that, you know, this research can inform what's happening in communities across the country and understanding, you know, how to support small businesses uh, through the pandemic. I'm really interested to see, you know, how they come out of it and what the impact this program had. Absolutely. Thank you, for thank you for thank you and thank you Molly for for being here again and that's it that concludes this episode of the podcast stay tuned for more podcasts coming up and also make sure to like subscribe share do the whole thing so that this podcast can continue to reach more and more people so we have more uh, knowledge out there about the uh, paycheck protection program so thank you again. And everyone have a great rest of your year, depending if it's 21 or 22, it doesn't matter. Just have a good year. <laughs>